Today, we are headed to the westmost region of the country, to California. It's a new day and time for another NCEA podcast. The state of California has 12 dioceses. The Roman Catholic Diocese of San Diego stretches across the southmost portion of the state from San Diego to the Imperial Valley. It serves nearly 50 schools and 15,000 students. Join me on a virtual trip to San Diego, California, as we visit the beautiful Academy of Our Lady of Peace campus. I'm Laura MacDonald, and this is NCEA Podcast. Joining us today is Donna Allen. Hi, Donna. Hi, Laura. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. And yourself? I am good. So thank you for joining us. Of course. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, Well, I have been at the Academy of Our Lady of Peace. Well, I started in uh, 1981 as a freshman in high school. So I'm a graduate and then returned here uh, just about 19 years ago as a educator in the religious studies department of the theology department. Um, I'm married for about the same amount of time, 19 years, and I have one daughter who is a rising junior here at OLP. Oh, wow. All in the family. <laughs> yep, absolutely. I've, I wear the alumni hat, the faculty hat, and now the pilot parent. <laughs> well, it, it only enhances everyone's experience that you're so knowledgeable, and you can look at things from many perspectives. So I'm sure that's valuable to your school. I, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I saw your campus. I'm sure I've driven by it before, but I did see your campus on its website and it is gorgeous. So tell our listeners who can't see the campus and don't know about your campus, tell us about your high school. Well, our high school, uh, Academy of Our Lady of Peace, we call it lovingly OLP, uh, is the oldest high school in San Diego. Uh, it uh, started in 1882 down in what is now the huge downtown San Diego and moved to the current uh, campus, which was uh, once the Van Druff Estate. About 100 years ago, first classes, I think we're in September of 1925. So we're coming up on 100 years on this property. Uh, for those of you who know San Diego, it overlooks uh, Mission Valley, and our alma mater is known as Villa Montemar, so meaning this beautiful house between the sea and the mountains. So when you go out to what we call North Terrace, where we've had graduating classes for the last hundred years outside, um, you can look out over Mission Valley and see the San Diego Mission down in the valley and off to the east, the beautiful mountains and off to the west, um, the beautiful sea. It's, it's a gorgeous campus and most students who come say they're drawn to the beauty of the campus um, first and foremost. And so keeping it uh, maintained that way is a priority, especially because we have so many alumni that send their daughters here um, and come back and just love to walk the campus. So obviously your parents enrolled you in Catholic school and that brought you to Catholic education, but what led you to a career in Catholic education? Well, I've been involved in uh, some way, shape, or form in Catholic education since I graduated high school. I started when I left to go to school in San Francisco um, as a confirmation teacher. And then when I started a first career in business, I went and started teaching CCD um, and was in the, uh, anyone knows San Francisco, St. Paul Parish uh, CCD program for almost 10 years. And I've always been drawn to it. And it was eventually my husband asked me because I was just feeling so unsatisfied in uh, my business career. um, If you could do anything, what would you do? And I said, I'd love to go back to my high school and teach uh, scripture. And so he says, what's stopping you? (laughs) 
And so um, at the time, then uh, we lived in Vermont and I went back and got a second master's in theology, sent off a application to the last sister and my principal sister Dolores here. And she called me in and um, hired me and I haven't looked back. I haven't looked back. So I've, I feel like I was in a Catholic education um, without grading students for <laughs> the first part of uh, my commitment to Catholic education. And for the last 20 years, been here um, at OLP as both a minister in campus ministry, helping facilitate retreats, but also in the classroom. And, and that's actually, I mean, I think we could talk about a lot of things, but um, that's actually what I thought we'd speak about today is retreats. Now, knowing you're at a high school um, and, and I know that you have a pretty strong retreat program at your high school and you've been involved in it for a long time. So those of you that are elementary school teachers, don't, don't go away because I, I really challenge you today to listen to what's happening and listen to the elements of retreats at the high school level and really try to think what parts of that could work at a, an elementary school level um, and, and can, can it work? What would that look like and what is the value? Because I think one of the things that I find very valuable with retreats is they help instill the Catholic values. Um, they help with all of that and understanding of our Catholic faith. And that needs to happen at the elementary school level in some, in some way. So yeah, each school is different. Um, your school is going to be different in all girls high school than an all boys high school or a school in another area. So we all, we're never going to find programs that are going to be able to be picked up and plopped on another campus and work because we always, there's always variables. We work with humans. However, I, I, I do, I challenge people to listen to what it's like at a high school level um, and think about our teachers who need retreats and our elementary school students who would maybe valuable value from some of the aspects of retreats as we talk. So um, let's start right away with what are some important elements when creating a Catholic school retreat program at your school? What is important? I think uh, probably the three most important things, um, probably for any retreat, and I'm so glad you encouraged the elementary school, K through eight parochial schools to stay tuned because you know, they they form the students that we receive. And it's just so important that, um, you know, you're looking at sometimes confirmation retreats or mm -hmm. um, here we have what are sixth grade retreats. Those are so fundamental, um, you know, because it, when they're done right, the students, when they hear about retreats in high school, it will be something that's a positive experience. Oh, we're going on a retreat. Right. Um, so thank you for continuing to um, <laughs> pull in the educators at the K through eight who are doing great work uh, with students on retreat there. But I think that no matter what grade level or what demographics your student body is, you've got to start with scaffolding, preparation, and mentoring. I think those okay. are the three most important things um, many years ago, what we did, uh, having four grade levels is, and you have to be unafraid if something isn't working to let it go. And that's true in anything. Yes. <laughs> but, um, what we did is we looked at all four grade levels and said, okay, what is the goal or the, you know, end product, or what are we working with, with the freshman retreat, with the sophomore retreat? And you want to scaffold them, but you don't want to repeat elements. That's super important because the last thing you want is for students to be like, oh yeah, we did this last year. Or mm -hmm for students on junior retreat going into a, a senior, like a modified Kairos to say, oh, well, it's gonna look like this or we're gonna do that. So scaffolding them 
in such a way that um, for recognizing where am I going, where did we go, not to repeat and not to step on any toes as you move up the, and I don't mean move up, but as you move on in the grade level retreat. Right, right. Um, we also, with the scaffolding idea, because we are um, in a school, would try and connect it to what was happening in the classroom as well in their theology and religious studies classes. So um, where we have, say, a focused in social justice at the, at, you know, a certain grade level, making sure you hit those elements on retreat, because then retreat can carry on in the classroom because you've got a touch point going back and forth saying, oh, remember on retreat when we had this experience or we talked about that, and everybody, whether they were in a different group or a different, you know, small group, or they can still have the same conversations in the classroom right. So I think scaffolding is what you need to do. And you have to be unafraid to go into that like we did and say, um, okay, I'm doing this at this grade level. Is there a way you can do this? Or maybe I can change that. So that's super important um, to look at the big picture. Okay. Um, and then when you, the preparation, I think um, is looking at not only elements of time and talent and resources, but you want to create a meaningful experience. And so you also want to not just prepare um, the, the facilitators who may be outside of um, the religious studies department that will go on retreat, um, but also those peer mentors at our mm -hmm. school, we do a peer mentoring system um, of retreats where these our retreats are led by um, seniors. We call them senior mentors. Um, and so we want to make sure that we prepare them um, in all ways possible. Um, and then lastly, um, mentoring them and creating a space in which you can mentor them in a meaningful way and not just, you know, have a couple of meetings. Oh, we're going to do this and talk about that. Um, but when I would work with and mentor many of the retreat leaders, it was taking time to almost mock the retreat, hear their talks, give meaningful feedback from both adult leaders and peer leaders um, so that we can provide for those seeking or retreatants, whatever, you know, uh, we want to call the retreatants, right. um, that they can get the most out of the experience. So I think any um, education, um, you know, institution, looking at those three things, if, if you give the necessary time to do that, I think that you'll come out with what is meaningful for your student body. So that was scaffolding, preparation, and, and mentoring. Yes. Mentoring. And, and all of that, when you're saying this, I'm thinking how important it is to communicate. Everything you described required communication with all the key players. Um, I think that sometimes that when teachers have really good programs. For example, you're a teacher at an elementary school that does the first communion retreat, mm -hmm. then leaves. Sometimes a lot of their practices leave with them. And I think it's really important that we set up our schools, if we're going to have a comprehensive program at our school, that we are careful that when those, when those programs leave, when those teachers leave, the programs don't leave with them. That you know, they know that this is what happens in second grade. This is the tradition. This is what we get to do. And, and when that happens, we also know we don't have a comprehensive program. I love that you mentioned knowing what the freshman retreat looks like, even if you're not the freshman retreat planner, because it's, we don't have a lot of time, you know? <laughs> and, and so every, every second is valuable and how sad to waste their time doing something they've done before. So looking at that whole program from beginning to end and what that child's experience is going to be 
from freshman year to senior year is so important. I love that. I, it's, you know, it's a a no brainer. Like the loss of corporate memory at any point is like, you know, it, it's, it wastes so much time trying to, you know, either reinvent the wheel or find out what closet the wheel actually lives in. Um, what I, when I first took on the, when I first came and they said, one of the things we want you to do is it's a modified Kairos. Um, as you said, looking at your student body and what we had, you know, a Kairos is a traditionally three day retreat and Mm -hmm. where our brother school, you know, maybe boys need a little bit more time to break down to have small group discussions. Um, Girls don't really need that as much. So there was a lot of fluff when I went through the program and um, I was able, because um, the principal at the time said, okay, well, what we want to do is we want to give you two days. So going through it and finding what would work. Um, but I also then had to tap into some resources and be new on campus, you know, okay, who are some um, individuals I can call on to help facilitate this retreat? And these are your um, Catholic educators that are outside of the religious studies or your theology departments. Right. And I reconnected with someone um, who had sort of stepped back from doing retreats for a while. And once I reengaged her, um, the experience, she kept coming back and became almost my go-to where if, you know, I was doing two a year, she had to be on one. She was, you know, she was like, I have to be on one All of these retreats. <laughs> and then, um, a few years back when she retired, uh, you know, we had a much younger crop of, um, Catholic educators coming in and she gave this wonderful for me, it was almost a, you know, a retirement to talk up on, on the mountain, we call it. Mm-hmm. And there were two newer leaders who were starting to come in, um, one from the math, one from the history department. And she almost handed off the, um, the baton to them. And the students were able to witness it. So I think in, even in a big picture, no matter where those students went and what they did, they kind of experience this. What does it look like when someone, you know, is invested in something and hands it off? And so these newer, um, you know, moderators, facilitators that would come on retreat were just as anxious to take their journey with, you know, the next group of students. But, you know, it really is once people get up on the mountain and once they feel safe, um, to experience whatever spiritual experience, whatever God is trying to say to them in that moment, it's infectious. You want to go back. Well, we can use this for recruiting your, your teachers next year. (laughs) Hopefully they're listening because I do know it, it sometimes can be hard to get teachers outside of the, um, theology department to give up their time outside of the classroom to come, but it sounds like there's great benefits as a teacher to the experience as well. Oh, absolutely. I remember when I first started, you know, when you're new and um, people would see me in the hall, it's like, oh my gosh, and make a a hard (laughs) left, like avoid her. She might ask you to help with retreat. And then, you know, it's so funny because as I started this podcast, I came into school today and bumped into um, a math teacher and he went up uh, with us, oh gosh, maybe 10 years ago. And I was telling him about this podcast and he just started nodding, you know, because it's sometimes those um, teachers um, that you wouldn't, you know, necessarily think, you know, they'll say yes. And when he said yes, and it's great for the students to Mm -hmm. see um, that, in Catholic education, that the Catholic education is not just happening in the theology department, that the math teacher also has a journey, also has um, a walk. And when they're willing to share it um, as well, um, modeling and vulnerability is so important on retreats. Um, 
And they're able to see the humanity in all of us, which sometimes as teachers, we get kind of, you know, oh, they're the teacher. And like if they see in the grocery store, they're like, oh, that's kind of weird. You know, so to see, you know, teachers from other departments up on the mountain with you is so powerful. Well, you talk about cross-curricular really in um, enriching your whole school with Catholic faith and formation and also just those opportunities for teachers to show that they're human and really, I mean, it, being a good teacher is all about connecting with your students. So I, I couldn't think of a better place to connect with students than the opportunity for a retreat. So I would agree. <laughs> but it's my passion. Of course, I'm going to Of course. Agree. It sounds like a dream job. It really does. So when planning, so we talked to Pine about the, you know, what is important for the whole program. But what about for your individual's retreats? For teachers out there, maybe sometimes people are kind of voluntold that they're <laughs> retreat leaders at some of our schools. So let's let's talk a little bit about what they should be including in their retreats. I'm glad you said that because that's how I started. And, and I'm now 20 years in and I have a great appreciation, love and passion for for retreats and and what they can be. And so um, when you're preparing again, we have um, peer led retreats. So we have I'll use the phrase because we call them here our senior mentors. Okay. And so when we're preparing them or when you're planning for a retreat, um, when you're um, working with them. Um, first, uh, I mean, the participants, the mentors are also participants, but I look at first modeling. I, I want to encourage the peer, you know, leaders to model what they want back. Don't talk about things, just model it. Uh, model it in your sharing, model it in your body language, model it in your listening abilities. Um, so also being aware of what retreat it is you are leading. And so uh, more recently, I've been working on freshman retreat. And so I start with my peer mentors that are leading that retreat. Um, we start every meeting, we start on our retreat and then in all of our meetings, starting with a time of quiet to being um, connected back with their freshman self and what mm -hmm. were some of the anxiety and the feelings that they're feeling. Because what they're feeling as a senior is very different than what you're feeling yes. as a freshman. <laughs> and I don't want them to be worried about what they're feeling because I want them to be considering who they are leading a retreat for. So I ask them first to be modeling. Um, secondly, I think that authenticity is so important, just like students can sense when, you know, a, an educator is being inauthentic. Sure um, can. Mm -hmm. I tell my leaders, you know, we're a small campus. There's 750 girls. Don't be talking about something that is so not you when girls are looking at you going, really? <laughs> you know? And right. so be your authentic self because that's who um, signed up to help. And that's who the girls know. And that's going to get the participants um, on the retreat to be their authentic selves. So um, they have to, we have to all be, you know, comfortable with the fact that we're all imperfect. We're all in a state of, you know, journey. So just don't go in and say, oh, I've got this all together. And don't say, oh, I'm a, this kind of a person when we know, you know, you know, when my extroverts are like, I'm such an introvert. I was like, just own it. <laughs> own it. And there's nothing wrong with being an extrovert. We need both. It, it's right, right. Successful. Um, I also think that um, empathy and compassion are key elements, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, when you're especially getting into a small group setting for your retreats, um, you have to use the model of Christ. You know, you have to just create a space um, where people feel safe, that they can speak. 
And empathy is more about listening and um, being with someone. I say, you know, Christ didn't come to give you all the answers with regards to here's a handbook. Christ right. just is with us. And that's all you need to do. And, you know, if something comes up in your small group sharing that feels too big for you, just sit and be. And so sometimes I tell um, uh, mentors, you have to be comfortable with silence. As I pause. <laughs> um, that was great. I was like, she's <laughs> pausing. I love it. <laughs> I mean, my students know it in a classroom because I say, I can wait a very long time. I don't need to fill the space with with talking. You have to be, you know, because I say that that's when the introvert's going to jump in, you know, in that space of silence. They're not going to try and figure out a way to do it. So definitely, you know, model Christ, model just, I've come to enter into your suffering, you know, or, and I'm not saying that people are suffering on retreat. I'm thinking more in a Christ-like center. <laughs> I've come to enter into this I'm, I'm not here, you know, to take it away. I'm here to be with you. And I think that that's so important because I think that uh, people on retreat will remember that. Um, I think lastly, just being vulnerable. Um, I often tell mentors, your small group will be as vulnerable as you're willing to be. If you're going to stay on the surface, don't expect uh, a rich intimate conversation and that and it comes full circle to modeling but if you'll be a little vulnerable where you're comfortable you know because i i spend a lot of time going there's a fine line between vulnerability and oversharing you know and so True. we talk about that um a lot and we'll talk about what's oversharing what's you know an appropriate level of vulnerability um because everybody's coming from different spaces on their journey. They're going at different times and um, paces and just be a little vulnerable. And if you're a little vulnerable, you might see that other people are a little vulnerable as well. I like it. So speaking of pausing, we're now going to pause for a word from our sponsor. And when we come back, let, uh, let's talk a little bit about um, creating that safety and that inclusive environment um, for all of the participants. Now that the school year is over, it's time to recharge and focus on your own spiritual life. What better way to do that than with Hallow, the number one Catholic prayer and meditation app. As educators, it is crucial for us to be spiritually grounded so we can authentically share our faith with students. Hallow offers guided meditations, scripture reflections, and a vast library of prayers to nourish the soul this summer. Hallow is offering an exclusive 30% NCA discount for all educators. Just go to hallow.com backslash NCA summer to sign up. Take this opportunity to prioritize your spiritual life and prepare yourself for the upcoming school year. And we are back. I am here with Donna Allen from OLP in San Diego, California. Um, let's go ahead and talk about um, building retreats that are safe and inclusive. How, how can we do that in order to um, make sure our, our students um, feel safe to share and reflect and, and be their authentic self? Well, when we... Um when students apply to go into the mentoring um, program class, um, what we need to do is make sure that they themselves are, you know, welcoming individuals, mm -hmm. um, not putting up walls and not, um, you know, feeling like um, they're in a position to judge. And that's usually not an issue or a problem. Um, <laughs> but you want to make sure that the students that are leading are, are open. Um, we're looking at Catholic schools, I'm sure, all over the country where um, the population of Catholics on campus may not be, you know, um, as high. Right. Um, so when you're doing a a Catholic retreat, you want to, you've got to make it safe for everyone, whether your school is doing retreats that 
everyone is required to go on or whether they're uh, they're voluntary retreats Mm -hmm. or maybe a hybrid of both. Maybe some class levels are voluntary and some, but if not everybody is coming from a Catholic perspective and maybe you have people coming from another faith tradition or having no or little faith tradition at all, just recognizing that, you know, we, we sit with the senior mentors and say everybody is not just on a different journey, but maybe on a completely uh, a journey that you have absolutely no knowledge about and should not be speaking to all this person wants to do, you know, in, at the end of the day, we're all in conversation on retreat with our, with our creator. And, God is speaking to each of us all the time. And if we can just, um, you know, going back to modeling Christ and saying, you know, Christ never said, hey, are you a Gentile? Are you a Jew? You know, how am I going (laughs) to approach this? You just approach it the same way. And so if everybody is seeking um, to know God, however they understand God, um, then you're creating a safe place for people to do that. So I think, you know, we, you know, starting with prayer, putting them in a place of a a Christ-like leadership uh, model can put us in a place where all voices, you know, can be heard and definitely just no judgment. And if you, you know, I encourage them, you know, ask a probing question. If somebody puts something forward on a spiritual journey that you've never heard of, you know, engage them, you know, this is an opportunity for you to learn more about somebody else's spiritual journey, if they're willing to share on that level. Um, And that only makes us greater human beings, I think. (laughs) Right. Um, So retreats take a lot of time out of the schedule of a school. Um, you know, sometimes kids I see don't go on retreat because they have sporting events or they have big tests coming up or, you know, schools may want us to um, limit the retreat program because of, you know, academic reasons. How important is it for our students to be participating in retreats? I think it's immensely important for them to participate. And again, we're probably hitting a lot of people that are either in places where they're required to go on retreat mm-hmm. or they're um, it's a it's an opportunity made for them. Um, but I I would hope that you know as Catholic educators, whether the faculty and staff are um, practicing Catholics or not, once you make a commitment in a Catholic school that you recognize, Um, that education is happening in so many different ways that, you know, isn't always necessarily inside of the classroom. Um, And so that's one of the things that I think a lot of people who go into Catholic, I would hope go into Catholic education, appreciate. We're we're educating the entire person. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) The, we used to have maybe a tangent here, our Mm -hmm. buildings, uh, we used to be theology on one side and science on the other. And I think Pope Francis wrote something in Laudato Si early on about how faith and science can complement each other. And I do that a lot in class. Like, don't ask your Bible questions you need to be asking in the science lab and don't ask science questions Mm -hmm. in your Bible class. And and but they can inform each other like you know we can learn about science but we need to be educated about how to use the science ethically right. and things of that manner so i wanted to get like a ladato c like <laughs> imprint above there that kind of reflects that that there's a whole person that's learning when they come to school and so sometimes school is in the classroom and sometimes school is um is retreat it's necessary so that the student that then ends up back, you know, in the science lab, you know, had an opportunity to sit with their God and ask questions of their God and where they are in their lives. And, you know, maybe 
the student is stuck, say in an English class and, and something isn't moving, you get them out of that environment. You go on a mountain and then you say, you know, sort of that something starts to move there. Then when they return back to the classroom um, for a more traditional, you know, lecture or education, something is moved, something is moved. So you have to hopefully have um, a faculty and staff that have a value for retreats um, for them to be successful, um, you know, and we hold our students accountable, you know, to say, okay, if you miss, um, you need to make these things up, you know, the academic side. And so that's like missing for any reason. Right. Um, but to just to prioritize them and to say it's important. I think just understanding that you're educating an entire human being um, and retreats do things that other education just can't. It, when we come back from a retreat and I mean, as parents, you know, we see what happens to a kid once it comes back. From oh, they're changed for at least a couple of weeks, for sure. <laughs> you get a good couple of weeks out of them, so I'll take it, you know. But, you get you know, an extra thank you, moms, for they, it, they, you know. They yeah. think back to those things. I think, you know, shout out to, uh, you know, my uh, confirmation retreat. I can remember things that happened on my confirmation retreat. Wow. Oh, my goodness. I'm <laughs> in my mid to late fifties and I can still see the people. I can still see, um, situations, um, on that confirmation retreat. And so if, um, if students look back and have these touch points as well, wait, there was a valuable moment um, on this mountain, maybe they'll be drawn back into it. And, and I would say to educators that get tapped for, um, leading retreats, it's such a great opportunity. It, it feels, you know, overwhelming, but there's so many, you know, supporters, the people that are going to the students that are going to lead faculty members that, you know, there is a big, support system rooting for you as well that um take it on and you know somebody saw something in you to ask you to can you take on this retreat um and maybe just spend some time in prayer and say what is that value that's been recognized in me and just you know give it your all give it your all and those connections, again, you know, I mentioned it earlier, but those connections are valuable connections, student to student, student to, to teachers, um, and just the value in also vulnerability. Because um, I can think of moments when I've been most vulnerable, being very powerful, letting my guard down, feeling, understanding that, oh, I, I just shared that in no one's looking at me differently. It's okay. You know, that freeing moment when you share something that you're struggling with and that you've said it out loud and, and they're still there with you. They're still accepting you for who you are. And, and then you go back to the classroom a little lighter sometimes, right? And when we're holding all those things in or when we're um, contemplating certain issues, we're not really focused and present in the classroom. So in some moments, I, I assume with some students, they come back to the classroom ready to learn, you know, whether they needed a break or they needed to get something off their chest, ready to learn. That's what I would consider a successful retreat. When I come home from retreat and I am like, my spiritual muscles have been exercised to a point where I am exhausted. It should feel like, like when you go back to the gym after not going for a long time, you, yeah. know? <laughs> like, you know, you're like, Oh my gosh, what just happened to me? <laughs> and things look a little bit different. You and I said, Oh, maybe they're different for two weeks. You know, that's the sort of coming down the mountain after the right. duration, you know, you're trying to readjust your eyes to everything. Um, but something does move. I believe, you know, we're, we're made to be in relationship. I mean, that's how God created us, to be in relationship 
with one another. And retreats allow us that opportunity to engage. And um, for us, we put small groups together where students aren't like really, really close friends. And we also don't force reconciliation with girls that maybe don't get along at all. And put them in relationship. And, and you'll be surprised at how many connections students make on their own. I had one retreat. And now I don't want to say this is the goal or that it happened more than once. But um, I'm super intentional about building in time for students to um, just be like there's no activity, you know, where is God calling you to go on a walk, to take a nap, to lay in the grass and read, or maybe be with a friend or laugh or get on a swing, you know, whatever you need to do. And so, you know, these are teenagers. So when you let them know, hey, you got like three hours of free time, they kind of look at you like, what's that? You know, what's three (laughs) hours of free time? And, um, and they pretty much like leave the retreat space, you know, and go find mm-hmm. where they're going to go. And then after like an hour and a half, they're like, I got another hour and a half. Like, you know, it's just amazing. And one retreat, there was a small group. And mind you, these aren't like best friends who all the groups got up and left. And this one group stayed. And as leaders, we kind of just hang around and stay as well until everyone's left the room. They must have stayed another 40 minutes and just, and we reminded other students, if your friend's in this group, you know, this is what your friend is doing right now. And your friend feels right. called to, and there wasn't, I guarantee, I, there wasn't a kid turned around like, oh, is this over? Or why is this group staying? I'd like to go do this. They were so engaged. And for a couple of months, when they returned to campus, they got together on um, what is a, a court area where they ate their lunch. Every week, that small group got together and just sat. And I was like, wow, what did I, wow. you know, what did I just witness? This is right. amazing. Right. And something happened in that group you know, and that's the bottom line is it's none of us. It's, it's God moving. And if we're all just open to it, it is immensely powerful to see what can happen. Um, And again, it was a beautiful experience and I'll never forget it, obviously, but you know, if you can create that space that that can happen, not that it has to happen for, you know, a retreat to be successful, um, but if you just create a space, um, that's all people really want, you know, a space to contemplate, you know, where, what is God saying to me today? And as you said, to be in a group of peers and be validated when you have mm-hmm. to share or that something's going on. And you, and for students that give larger witness talks, it's amazing how, other connections will happen. I didn't know you were walking this journey and I'm walking this as well. This, these aren't things that students would talk about in the halls or at lunchtime. And so how else are they supposed to have these um, connection points if we are made to be in relationship with each other, if all these conversations that we're just having day in and day out on campus is, you know, what's your next test? Where are you going here? What's going on right. here? Where are you playing? The rushing, right. Yeah, just get them away. <laughs> so it sounds like the environment is very important. Um, you need to really create that workspace. Obviously, I've been on a retreat before, and you joked at it before when we were speaking about, well, if you're opening your computer, that's not really a retreat, you know? And if you have your phone with you or, or you're going through um, the outcomes for your your work business, that's probably not a retreat. So, <laughs> Right. I we. Um... Sister Joan um, was leading us in a few moments at the beginning of um, a faculty meeting, or and she said, "How many times have you been on retreat?" And everyone says, "Open your computers." You know, <laughs> like you either going to retreat or you're going to work. And right. 
when you mix both of those, neither one really gets done correctly. You know, you're because I think that retreat is a state of mind that at least for me, like I prepare to go on retreat. And like even my husband will say, there's a, a vibe in the house for the few days before you go on retreat. And then there's a vibe in the house like when you come home <laughs> um, and they're very different. But I have to get in a place um, of where I'm going to be like what I shared, to be vulnerable. So I have to prepare myself to be vulnerable. I just don't walk around and, hey, you know, I'm vulnerable now. <laughs> and so to prepare yourselves, not just your students, but for your faculty and staff, there's a preparation that goes into it too. And so you feel it. You feel it on the retreat and you feel it on the back end of the retreat as well. All right. So a resource that no retreat leader should be without. Do you have one? Uh, water. <laughs> water is always a big one. Um, I say that a retreat leader should always have something. For me, it um, is, um, I tend to take a, like a liturgy of the hours or something. I need something that when I leave the shared space, you know, I need to, um, regenerate and fill up my tank again. Okay. Um, okay. And so bring something with you. And, you know, I'm not saying don't bring your phone or whatever. What you can, I usually say, don't send me emails that need to be answered. Don't do any of that. Um, you know, I've done this for so many years. Yes, I have been on retreat where I've had to come home in an emergency for a sick kid. But for the most part, try and detach. But when you do that, you because um, it can become very intense, do mm -hmm. bring something with you that can refill you in, in the downtime and in the evening time. Be I very thoughtful about taking care of yourself. It's kind of like put your mask on before you help others. Right. Because um, if you're just, if you just go back to your room and you don't refuel, you, you may just go in at the same level as you were good or, I mean, it's not a good or bad. It's an indifferent, you know, your fuel levels because right. it's like, as I said, working out, you know, it's not bad if you're exhausted, it's, it's actually good, but do something just, you know, and um, water is always so wonderfully helpful. You never know when you'll have to like you know, <laughs> bless somebody as well as, as uh, you know. Well, I, I love that because, you know, and so also go with the knowledge of how you refuel. So some people need to refuel alone. Like you said, mm -hmm. your, your students are given this free time almost to refuel. And I, you give me time alone, I'm not going to refuel. I need to be around other people. So so knowing what that takes to get you there, because it does sound like it's about being present. It's about modeling. And if we aren't feeling it, as you said, they're going to see right through us. So um, I love that. All right. Uh, favorite scripture? My favorite, and I'm my students, um, if any students are listening to this podcast, will think because we read the Gospel of Mark that it would come from Mark. But <laughs> as I reflect on retreats, um, I have a favorite scripture passage. It, it's I don't have a favorite. It's like for what you know situation am I in that I need this passage? But thank yeah, you. That's a trick question for someone <laughs> <know>. that's. <laughs> Yeah, so it's like, that's what I teach here is scripture. So it's kind of like, who is your favorite kid? Um, I've got one, so I'll go with her. Um, when I'm thinking about retreats, I can't move away from the end of um, the Gospel of John 21. Um, when, you know, Jesus is appearing to um, people in different ways after mm -hmm. resurrection. And I think about retreat that... Christ is appearing to us in very different ways that speak to where we are. But the passage when uh, Peter says, I think I'll go fishing. I always share with um, the students on retreat, don't fall into that trap, you know, because Peter was going to go back to his old life, you know, 
not recognizing this great thing that had just happened. So when I think about retreats and when I think about scripture, that passage of Peter wanting to go back to his old life and just going fishing and Christ having to re, you know, engage and that Mm -hmm. relationship, you know, that happens in the boat when um, the disciple whom Jesus loved recognizes, you know, we're relational. I have to look at you and whispers to Peter, it's the Lord. Something just happened to you. And he jumps out of the boat and goes, I encourage my students, you know, when you leave this space, this retreat space, don't go fishing, you know, go back and be different, go back and not different, better, not different, just that something happened to you on this mountain, that something happened to you in this retreat space. So I really love that, um, the appearance story at the end of John's gospel, when I think about retreats, because, you know, if there's no way to define a successful retreat, you know, And if anything, a successful retreat, as I connected to scripture, is go back and show that something has moved in you. I love that. I love that. Any shout outs today? I always, um, I will do a shout out to your friend and mine, to Uh, the great great (laughs) John Galvan, whom uh, drew me into retreats here at OLP. Thank you, my friend. Um, And now your colleague. I hope you enjoy his um, camaraderie and humor as much as I miss it. And also just a shout out to my colleague, uh, Katie Wilson, who is the director of retreats and service learning here at um, OLP. Without her and under her direction, you know, I couldn't be, you know, as useful um, in facilitating uh, retreats. And she has such a genteel a way about mentoring our senior mentors here. I just wish her nothing but success as we go forward. And um, I just love working with her as well. Well, I loved meeting with you today. Um, I can tell your school is very lucky to have you <laughs> on staff. I could sit here and talk to you for hours, but we have to go. So thank you, Donna, for speaking with us here today. Thank you so much for the invitation, Laura, and I wish you all the best. And to all of you who are thinking about retreat or just got, you know, tapped for one, um, I will certainly keep you in prayer and keep us in prayer as well. <laughs> and say yes. Just yes. do it, right? Just say yes. Say yes. Just say yes. <laughs> so it's been a pleasure connecting with you. Thank you to our podcast listeners. Don't forget the most valuable resource we have is each other. And in the words of our friend, John Galvin, as he always says, God bless you, my friends. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you.